This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I'm going to talk again tonight about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. So I want you to take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. I'm going to talk about the blood, and then we're going to receive communion. Does that sound good? And I believe many of you who came in sick tonight are going to be beautifully healed. Six of you are agreeing with me. I said... I believe many of you who came in sick tonight are going to leave beautifully healed by the Lord. The Bible says he does all things well. Isn't that right? He does all things well. When Jesus does it, it's beautiful. Now, What I want to touch on tonight is the eagerness in the heart of God to reveal the power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is rarely talked about. Yet without it, we have no redemption. The blood of Jesus does so many things. I touched on a few last week, I don't have time to review. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But the blood of Jesus is powerful. I said the blood of Jesus is powerful. So in Genesis 3, verse 21, listen. This is after, well, let's back up. Let me, let, me, let, let me begin in verse, uh, ooh, you all know the Adam and Eve story, hopefully, right? So they were clothed in glory. They walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. The Lord and Adam had such a relationship that Adam named the animals. Adam was so possessed with the presence of God that he wasn't, he wasn't even aware of himself. And, and what I feel is happening here in our city is we're, we are leaving ourselves behind because we are going up in our hearts. We're looking at the Lord. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong with preaching about certain things. I'm just saying there's a higher message. There's a higher pursuit. You know, I, I said at CFAN a few nights ago, uh, and do I have any evangelists here? <laughs> you wild ones. You love the fact that you're evangelists. And I love you too. Okay. I don't have a problem helping people. I don't have a problem coaching people. I don't have a problem if God has called you into that sphere, business world, but let me tell you what evangelists are not. We're not life coaches. So don't let this mic fool you. We're not group fitness coaches. You know, we're not doing the little step thing up here. Like, evangelists raise the dead. Preachers raise the dead. That's what we do. We, we bring, by the power of the Spirit, by yielding to the anointing, 
yielding to the Lord himself, and by proclaiming the scriptures, the dead come alive. <laughs> That's awesome. So the blood of Jesus, well, let me say it this way, the devil would hate for you to discover the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, throughout the scriptures, there is a river of blood. So there's a few words that you're going to hear throughout the word of God. And every time you hear them, I want you to think of the blood. Here's one word. Every time you read the word altar, I want you to think of the blood. So every time a patriarch in the Old Testament erected an altar, blood was shed on it. You don't just build altars like Lego sets for fun. Every time they built an altar, an animal died. Every time you hear th this phrase, the Lamb of God, I want you to think of the blood of Jesus. When John the Baptist announced to all of Israel as the bridegroom's best man, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he was saying this, this lamb will bleed and die and his blood will redeem mankind. Lambs die. I want you to hear me. Lambs die in the Bible. Yes, they are meek. Yes, they are quiet. It does apply to the fact that Jesus did not defend himself. Absolutely. But at the core, when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, he's saying, he's going to die. He's going to bleed. He is going to pour his blood out. So in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve, well, after Eve, <laughs> after, no, it was, Adam should have took his, taken his authority. Calm down, ladies. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you here. Okay? They're like, I just heard, oh, I'm with you. Okay? I think women can preach the gospel. I'm all in. Like, I, I, I'm in it. Okay? My favorite preachers are women. So, well, four out of the five. Okay. <laughs> Eve embarked on a conversation she should never have started, or I should say responded to. Why look at the serpent when you can stare at the Ancient of Days? Much of our defeat begins in the fact that we spend our time trying to defeat what has already been defeated. And so rather than looking at Jesus, we wage a war that is a trap. The greatest warfare is adoring Jesus. So Eve, Eve, Eve she, she enters this convo. She begins talking. The serpent deceives her. Adam ultimately follows. Adam doesn't function in his authority. Eve uses her God-given influence the wrong way. Side note, for those of you who are looking for a wife, make sure she uses her influence to propel you into your destiny. Find a wife who loves Jesus more than she loves you. All right? Husbands, protect, bring peace, provide, preserve. Be a man of God. 
Set the tone in your home. I said, set the tone in your home. We like to say we're the priest of our home. That doesn't just mean bring me a steak. That actually means, are you up worshiping? If you're not up worshiping, don't play the priest of my home card. <laughs> you being the priest has nothing to do with your laundry and your food. It has everything to do with priestly ministry. Let me get going here, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off on a rabbit trail. It was a good rabbit trail, though, wasn't it? I like to think so. Verse 13. Look, look down at verse 13. Genesis 3. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. And you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Listen carefully. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed with a capital S, speaking of Jesus. Immediately, when Adam and Eve fall, the Father begins to reveal the beauty of the gospel. This is a gospel message in Genesis 3. I will put enmity. There will be a war between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Another word is he shall crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Speaking of the crushing of Satan, even though Jesus suffered, he still crushed the devil. He came away with a bruised heel, but the devil came away with a crushed kingdom and a crushed future. Say amen. amen. Verse 16, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Sorry, isn't that horrible, ladies? <laughs> You're like, oh, man. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I'll teach on that another time, or join Jesus School, and uh, you can be part of Marriage and Purity Week, and you, you'll get it. Verse 17, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Adam's original calling was to tend the garden. Now he has to work the land. It's a huge difference. Cultivating and tending is different than working. And if you were here last week, I mentioned... The fact that Jesus was mistaken as a gardener when he was raised from the dead for a reason. He was saying, I'm restoring Eden again. But now there'll be an Eden in your heart. Ooh, that's good. There'll be a garden in your heart. And the word Eden means pleasure. So God builds a garden in, in, in a region called pleasure. And he plants that in our heart. And so as Jesus was raised as a gardener, he was saying, I'm restoring the pleasure of communion with my Father. Oh, that's powerful. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Speaking of the curse, which is why Jesus wore a crown of thorns. 
He redeemed the curse. Say thank you, Jesus. I should say he reversed the curse. Verse 19, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, listen carefully, this is it, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Immediately after the fall, we see two things. Number, well, three things. Number one, what Reinhard used to say. Adam was content living without God after the fall, but God was not content to live without Adam. That's called the mercy of God. So instantly, number one, we see that God wanted to redeem Adam and Eve. Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. Amen. Number two, the gospel is preached that this great seed, that the seed of the woman will crush the seed of the enemy and that through his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return, he will crush his head and through his suffering, his heel will be bruised. Number three, God introduces the power of the blood. Right away, verse 21, he clothes them in animal skin. Instantly, the glory departed, listen, and the first thing that happened when the glory departed is Adam was aware of the fact that he was naked. It's okay to have some healthy self-awareness, but don't go too deep. You won't be too impressed. I don't know about you. I'm just not super impressed with me. It's much more pleasant to look at Jesus. So the first thing that happens is Adam is aware of the fact that he is naked. He thinks that maybe he can make underwear out of a fig leaf and that would fix the problem. My Lord, great idea. Well, the father says, look, I have a remedy. I'm going to cover you in animal skins, tunics of animal skins. That means this. On the outside, there was skin. On the inside, it was lathered in blood. And the father covered Adam and Eve in the blood of an animal. Never forget this. It is the father who introduced the power of the blood. It's his idea. Redemption is his idea. Saving you is his idea. It was not our idea. I said it was not our idea. It is his idea. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel, listen carefully, was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass 
that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Number one, how did Abel even know to bring an offering of blood? Well, Hebrews says that he did it by faith. Listen up, this is very good. Hebrews says he offered it by faith. Say that, by faith. How does faith come? By hearing. If Abel offered it by faith, somebody told him, if you're going to know the Lord, you better offer blood. I believe it was his parents. I I believe that personally. Now, I, I don't have theological proof, but I do know this. Someone told him. Someone revealed to him. Possibly the Lord himself, who knows? But we do know this. He offered blood and the Lord received his offering. Not only did he offer blood, listen carefully, but he offered the firstborn. That sounds a lot like Jesus. Verse 10, I want you to look down at Genesis 4.10. Is this boring you? Is this boring you? And he said, listen, listen, listen. Well, actually... Let's look at verse 9. This is after, well, verse 8. Let's do verse 8. Sorry, you know I love the word. Now Cain talked with, his, with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? Listen, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Say this out loud. The blood speaks. speaks. Say it again. The blood speaks. speaks. Say it again. The blood speaks. If the blood of Abel speaks, how much more loudly does the blood of Jesus speak? Listen to what Hebrews 12, 18 and 24 says, through 24. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched, that's burning with fire. He's speaking of the difference between the old covenant and the new. To darkness, to gloom and storm, speaking of what Moses touched. To a trumpet blast. Remember the Lord blew the trumpet over Israel. To such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. It's all talking about the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel at the base of Sinai. Verse 20, because they could not bear what was commanded, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. We're talking about a holy God. If an animal touched the mountain, the base of the mountain, and the Lord was on the top of the mountain, that animal had to die. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Look at verse 22. But you, say me, You have come to Mount Zion, 
Man, I feel the Lord. To the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels and joyful assembly. Guys, this is your inheritance. The next time you gather for a meeting, keep this in mind. This is powerful. Man. Verse 23. To the church of the firstborn. Speaking of the Lord. Whose names are written in heaven. That's you. You have come to God. You're not coming to a mountain. You've come to the presence of the Lord himself. The judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Speaking of Hebrews, do you not know that you are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses? Powerful. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Wow. Say thank you for the new covenant, Lord. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus, listen, Jesus is mediating this new covenant. And Jesus is this new covenant, Isaiah 49. He is the covenant. Why does that matter? Because the covenant is as eternal as him. And he's eternal. The covenant is as perfect as him. And he's perfect. The covenant is as solid as him. He's incredibly solid. I said he's incredibly solid. The covenant is as trustworthy as him. He's perfect. He's faithful. But he also mediates the covenant. Listen, how? He sprinkled his own blood. Are you realizing that? I touched on it last night, but sometimes I just, I don't know if it, it landed, or last week. Sometimes I preach to myself and I get really happy about this stuff. <laughs> you have a real God-man in the heavens who is seated on a throne higher than the highest heaven. You don't hear this stuff anymore, do you? No, because... Forget it. I won't tell you why. <laughs> behave. Michael, behave. There, there's a man who is also the Lord, fully God, fully man, seated on a throne with holes in his hands. You're not getting it, or you'd, like, throw something at me. Don't throw anything at me. But you're just like, you'd be nudging your neighbor. There's a real Savior with skin. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so awesome. And you're going to have a big dinner with him. It's true. So he's the bridegroom, the host, and the meal. And knowing him, he'll probably serve you. He'll probably offer you the meal. You say, no, he wouldn't do that. He did for Peter when he restored him. 
Wouldn't that break your heart all the more? Maybe that's why he'll have to wipe away some tears. How beautiful will the moment be? Knowing, wait, wait I, I, I didn't pay for this. You paid for this. I didn't give myself a seat at this table. You gave me a seat here. You shed your blood. You're the lamb. You're the bread of life. You're the actual meal. You invited me here. And I'm going to marry you. Oh, wow. Oh, man. You need to thank him. You, should, you don't have to thank me, but you need to thank the Lord because... So there's a man up there mediating the covenant. And he offered his own blood. And I know I touched on it, but you've got a, you've got a picture in your heart. Jesus ascended. And at some point, offered his blood. And poured it out on the mercy seat. And just as the glory in the tabernacle would shine through the blood out of the Holy of Holies, because the glory would come up out of, it would, it would hover above the ark, and, 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 and the blood of Jesus was like the lens, it was the hue, or the blood of the, the animals, I should say. Today, the glory pierces the blood Jesus poured out. The blood is amazing. And so Jesus mediates the covenant as the high priest, but the blood is not the blood of an animal. It's his own. Gosh. It's his own. And so the blood speaks. What does it speak? What is the blood speaking? Revelation 5.9. Don't you love the Bible? So powerful. You know, the Lord knows what he's doing. I feel it. I'm telling you, I feel it. I, well, I'm, I'll get there in a minute, but I'm telling you, the Lord's up to something. You don't talk about this stuff and just, just skip on away and go home and whatever. I'm telling you, this, this, this type of truth troubles principalities. Troubles, quakes, sends a quake through states and regions and cities. And it brings the gods of the age down. The gods that meant, that, that have already been conquer, conquered, that, that we have elevated. It, it starts to, to chip away. It starts to chip away. Let me get there. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. What is the blood speaking? Listen. This is what's going on in heaven. And they sang a new song. Saying... Worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals. For you were slain and you purchased for God. Listen, with your own blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Revelation. 5, 9, and 10. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the blood declares, I am purchased. Huh. I am purchased. You've been purchased. 
Number two, and this is all Revelation 5, 9, and 10. Number two, the blood declares you are a kingdom. We are a kingdom. Number three, the blood declares this, you may minister to me as a priest. You've been invited into worship. You can touch the heart of God. Listen, please hear me. You can affect the feelings of God. Oh, that is too much. It's too much. You can affect the feelings of God. Through your ministry to him, you can make him smile. <laughs> so if a village rejects him and he weeps like he wept over Jerusalem who didn't know the hour of their visitation, I, I, I propose this tonight. Humbly, I submit this to you. If he wept over Jerusalem not receiving him, why would he not weep over a village in Central America not receiving him? He told us why they'd be judged. You didn't know the hour of visitation. He wept. How I long to gather you. I propose this tonight. It still breaks the heart of Jesus when people don't want his love. So a priestly ministry comes along, realizing that, realizing they're married, and this is what they do. They shut their door. The Lord begins to reveal his pain to them. I love that person. I love that family member of yours. I love them. It breaks me up inside that they're not coming to me. I want to gather them as a hen gathers its chicks. So the bride goes, I know what to do. I'm shutting the door, Lord. And now I'm gonna step in as a priest and minister to you. And through my ministry to you, I can pour oil on your heart. This is love. The feelings of Jesus become so real to you. And you realize this is, a, this is a privilege that the angels do not have. So those old salty dogs who've been walking for Jesus, sorry if I called you old, you know what I mean? Those salty dogs, those old salty dogs who've been in it a long time, they've, day after day, maybe they're not having massive visions all the time, but day after day they've been steady. And that presence of the Lord has slowly permeated their being. They're gentle, they're kind, they're loving, they're fierce, they're bold, they, they don't compromise, but they're, they're there every day. They're with Jesus. Every single day. They're not missing it. They're not fitting him in. They're building their life around their secret place time. You say, I can't do that. Of course you can do that. If I can do it, you can do it. I promise you, I don't have time to just do nothing. We, the church was launched by accident. We have a school, and I travel, and we're hosting events around the world, and this small thing called the Send that the Lord invited us into. So I've got enough going, but I'm telling you this, you can still build all of it around being with Jesus. You can, because none of that works unless you're filled with oil. So you get in every day. And, the, and the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is like when the sprinklers go on in a building. You know, when there's a fire in the building, the sprinklers go on and they put out those flames. And so the weaknesses in us, the temptations in us, uh, the stuff we don't like, the distracting thoughts while we're praying, uh, our selfishness that we all have, 
our unforgiveness, our pain, our broken hearts, all of a sudden they, they, you just sit there long enough and the sprinklers go on. The mist of his presence and it puts out the flames of those passions, the flames of those distractions. And maybe you didn't have a full-blown vision. Maybe you don't have a prophetic word, but you leave that prayer closet every day with a soft heart. You have this joy deep within you. You're more patient with your spouse. You're more patient with your children. That's what I'm talking about. That heart realizes, though that hurts you, Jesus, I know how to get in. I'm a priest. I know how to get in. And when I go in, if I love you, I can minister to your pain. Oh, it's a wonderful privilege. So number one, the blood declares you are purchased. Number two, it declares we are a kingdom. Number three, it declares that you are a priest. Number four, it declares that we reign in life. You are no longer slaves. As the Helzer says, you are no longer slaves. The blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus declares righteousness. The blood of Jesus declares forgiven. For those of you who gave your life to Jesus tonight, you have been forgiven. For those of you who've been born again for 30 years, you have been forgiven. You have been purchased and redeemed. Thank you, Lord. Can I have five more minutes? Noah, in Genesis 8, I want you to go to verse 20. We know what happened. The, fall, uh, the fallen angels were roaming the earth. Genesis 6 deals with this. Women began sleeping with these angels. A race was formed called the Nephilim. This angered the Lord and threatened the seed that was announced in Genesis 3. Did you catch that part? Much of what you read in the Old Covenant is the Lord protecting the seed that he announced would one day conquer hell and redeem mankind. Do you follow me? So in Genesis 8, the flood is over. So the Lord wipes out the earth, everything with the breath of life he wipes out. The, this is wild. The springs from beneath break the earth open, and the earth is flooded in two directions. It pours, and the springs break open. Everything is wiped out. The Lord tells Noah, construct an ark. Now, telling someone to build a boat before it had ever rained, or telling someone it's going to rain before it had ever rained, that guy needs to be a man of faith. So he makes something out of wood. Say wood. wood. Say wood. wood. He builds something out of wood. And the Lord tells him to hide in it, to take your family into it. And the waters of judgment will not conquer this ark of wood. Now Jesus is the ark. Christ crucified is the ark. Preaching Christ crucified isn't depressing. It's powerful. I don't, want, I, I don't want demons to like our ministry, like our meetings. How stupid is that? 
I, I want, I want, if you've got a bondage, I want you to quiver inside. I want you to get delivered. Jesus is the ark. So he says, look, go live in that ark. Build a window on the side of that ark. Speaking of Jesus being pierced one day. And from that ark, release the dove. One day that dove comes back holding an olive branch. Speaking of the coming of the Spirit and peace. Peace with God. Jesus, when he died, blood came out with water. The blood brought the peace of the Lord. The water speaking of the washing of the word and the flow and movement of the Spirit. This is awesome. Noah hides in that ark. Finally, the waters recede. The dove comes back. The dove comes back with the olive branch. Noah knows it's time to exit the ark. Listen carefully. Verse 20, the first thing. Look down at, look down at verse 20. The first thing Noah does. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Quick question. Did God curse the ground when Adam and Eve fell? He did. The Bible says Noah leaves the ark. And the first thing he does is he builds an, offer, an altar to offer blood. The first thing. It was ingrained in Noah's heart. If I want a relationship, I have to come in through the blood. First thing. Gets off the boat. I know what to do. He builds an altar. And altars are made for blood, for sacrifice. Verse 20, he took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings. He killed them. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never curse the ground on account of man. Did you hear that? No one knew the ground is cursed. I only know of one thing. I better offer blood. And instantly the Lord says, I'll never curse it again. That should make you so happy. Do you know why? Because you're under the blood of Jesus. And the curse does not rest on you. I said the curse does not rest on you. If your grandmother died with cancer, listen to me, don't you dare live in fear. You're part of another bloodline. If your mother is not right in the head, don't you dare live in fear. You are part of another bloodline. Are you hearing me? I know, it's good. What does that trigger? Listen. Not only does the blood... Cause the Lord to say, I will never curse the earth again. The Lord goes even further. It says this, while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, oh, not only will it not be cursed, now the earth will bring forth life. You haven't just been forgiven. You've been filled with the life of the Holy Spirit. 
destined to bear fruit that remains. Man, the blood of Jesus. Ooh. That's right. Can I just give you one little quick nugget? <laughs> Better than Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I don't think we're going to make it through this in a sane manner, this next text. Oh, the Lord is amazing. Leviticus 14. I'm skipping like six portions of the teaching, but this is so amazing that I just want you to leave with this visual. Leviticus 4, 14, start in verse 1. Listen. I have a different translation here. Here we go. Don't you love the power? Okay, listen, listen, listen. This is the practice that the Lord institutes to cleanse the healed lepers. So today, that symbolizes carrying your sin around and sickness. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, the following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. Do you remember when Jesus healed the leper? He said, go back and make sure you obey what Moses said. Go back to your priest, obey what Moses said. This is what that's talking about. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest who will examine them at a place outside the camp. <laughs> If the priest finds that someone has been healed of a serious skin disease, he will perform a purification ceremony using, listen carefully, two live birds that are ceremonially, ceremonially clean, a stick of cedar, speaking of the cross and cleansing, some scarlet yarn, speaking of the blood of Jesus that redeems, and a hyssop branch, Psalm 51, thou hast cleansed me with hyssop. Speaking of believing in Jesus by faith and the cleansing power of the blood. Ooh, this is good, this is good, this is good. Verse 5, the priest will order that, listen, 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 that one bird be slaughtered over a clay pot. So he has two. The priest orders that one bird die over a clay pot. And the pot will be filled with fresh water. Blood and water. <laughs> he will take the live bird, the cedar stick, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop, and dip them into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. This is what happens. There's a clay pot. 
The priest takes the bird, kills it, sheds the blood. There's water in the pot. The blood goes into the pot with the water. Listen, listen. The priest will then sprinkle the blood of the dead bird seven times on the person being purified of the skin disease. Are you ready? When the priest has purified the person, let me read it from my, I like my version. Verse 5. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them, them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. He shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. Are you getting the picture? That's amazing. He takes the living bird and covers it in blood and water. The priest. And then he says, fly away. Fly away. And on your way out, sprinkle the camp with blood. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you almost got to hit the roll. <laughs> On your way out, let the bird out that is covered in blood and water, and everyone under it gets covered in blood and water. <laughs> Hyssop speaks of faith. Hyssop, thou hast purged me with hyssop. We are not cleansed in our own strength. By faith, hyssop carried the blood, but so did the bird. This is what I'm here to tell you. The Holy Spirit loves, loves, loves administering the power of the blood of Jesus and sprinkling his people. That's so good. It's so good. Now, this is what I'm going to leave you with, and I'm going to teach on this next week. Well, I'm not supposed to tell you who's teaching next week. <laughs> All right, listen. Listen, 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 listen. In Exodus 12, and this is what the Lord's doing here tonight, in many of your lives and in the region, th th this is what the scripture says. The Lord said, slaughter the Passover lamb. Take hyssop and apply it on your doorpost. Listen, if you have kids who are struggling, you stand up as a mom and a dad in that house, and by faith, you release the power of the blood of Jesus. You, every day, I do it twice a day. I lay hands on every one of my kids twice a day, and this is what I declare over them. Uh, amongst many, yeah, help me, David. Amongst many things, one of them is this, the blood of Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and God's holy angels around you. Every day, I want you to do that. So the Lord says, apply the blood with hyssop, with faith, to your doorpost, two doorposts and lentil in the shape of the cross. And this is what the Lord said. Listen, tonight, turn that up. Tonight, he says this to Moses and to all of Israel. Tonight, I execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. You missed it. 
You see, all the plagues just beat the gods up a little bit. But the judgment of the demons, the judgment of those princes and powers over nations, the judgment was executed when Moses offered blood. The judgment was enforced. The contract was signed. My people are leaving, and I just destroyed a nation, and these gods are bowing their knee. That's the power. That's the power. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. You, now, we're not going to take communion tonight. I'm sorry, we'll do it next week. But you'll never take it again the same way, will you? Every time you take communion, you unlock the power of this blood covenant. Amen? Stand to your feet. Come on. Come on. Give the Lord praise. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Now, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for the power of the blood to flow, for the power of the blood to flow in every life. And I apply the blood by faith. I plead the blood over every family, over every ministry, over every home, over every child, over every marriage, over every bondage. Destroy bondage tonight. Execute judgment on every demonic oppression. Now I plead the blood over this house, over us, over this building, even over Judah Church. I plead the blood, Lord. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood over our futures, over Jesus' school, over every family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.